On this episode of Scammer Stories, a young career woman at a high-end hotel is scammed by a rich hotel guest. Before, like a year ago, I would say whenever I talk about this, I would like still be feeling so angry and frustrated about myself. My name is April, and I'm on a mission that'll take a lifetime to accomplish, and then some. I'm a 20-year veteran in journalism and TV and radio. What I've discovered after my mother's nightmare began in 2016 is no one really knows for sure. The only thing I know how to do is broadcast, to educate. In this episode, we're mixing it up a bit to try and cram three different perspectives into one podcast. You're going to hear from a veteran journalist who's covered scams time and time again, a sick wife and a large family who depends on him, made him vulnerable. We were having trouble basically making house payments. And we fell a little behind. We were working with the bank, you know, and letting them know, keep staying in contact, what we're going to do. Then on the other side of the scam, a young military veteran has a message for women who were targeted by romance scammers. I was pretty upset because I didn't understand what was happening. We have a lot to cover, different perspectives. In no particular order, we'll begin with Felicia. She allowed me to use her real name. She's gorgeous, smart, sweet, and she's pissed off. Felicia is a bright young woman starting out with a bright future at a high-end hotel in Canada. Tell me a little about yourself, where you live. and I grew up here when I was a kid, up until I was seven years old. And then my family moved to the Philippines. So I moved there, I grew up there most of my adult life, and I came back here three years ago. I'm in the hospitality industry. I work in a hotel chain here in Vancouver. Tell me what happened, how you got involved in this whole thing. Um, so my personality is, I always see the good in people. Like, it's very easy for me to trust. It's really hard for me to see the bad side of people because I always see it through my lens. I used to think that if it is something that I wouldn't do, people won't do it to me. But I kind of have to learn it the hard way. Um, my role in the hotel, I talk to a lot of our frequent guests. So one of our frequent guests, um, she's been coming to our hotel, staying for like three months straight for a few consecutive years. She's from Iran. And two years ago, she was staying at our hotel with her daughter. And it is my job to like build relationship with our guests, especially long-term guests like her. And so we already built a relationship for the past three months. And suddenly... She told me that she was having financial issues where she can't bring her money in Iran here to Canada because there's like a sanction that's going on. And I believed her because she's been staying at the hotel paying like $600 a night for the last three months. So I never thought that she's someone that would like screw me over. And plus the fact that I've gotten to know her daughter. Her daughter is my age. And at first she was like, begging me that like, I just really need help right now. Like, I promise you, I will never run away. You're like my daughter. I would really owe you one. Again, the women staying in this hotel, flashing their money around, she has no reason to doubt them. And their lifestyle is like insane. Like her daughter would like tell me she just got her hair done and spent like $1,200 on her hair. You would know that they enjoy this high lifestyle. And so I never really thought that that's how they get their money or I don't know. So at first I like gave them $3,000 to start. 
And then in a week, she gave it back to me. So she was like, oh, thank you so much for trusting me. Here's an extra $500 for you for, you know, helping me out. I was like, oh, so she's not here to scam. She's really, you know, she really appreciated my help. Okay. And then later on, she started to ask more money. So I like gave her another $3,000. And then after two days, there's an issue that arises again. I gave her another $4,000. And then another, I think, another $3,000. Now at this point, the woman is still staying at the hotel. And that extra money Felicia got the first time might triple. Nice little chunk of cash to add back to her savings. That's what she was thinking. And we were still in contact. And she said she will pay me. And this is like the payment structure that she's going to give me. And then one day she just just like disappeared. So everything happened in a month's time. Had she stayed there before? Yes, she stayed with us 2016 and 2017, both for like three months straight. And about how old was she and about how old was her daughter? She's probably in her late 40s to 50s. And her daughter was probably, I don't know, 23 years old. And I met her daughter. So do you think they're both in on it? Her daughter knew that her mom was getting money from me. She knew that because she personally came up to me and thanked me for helping them out. So she knows. What was the first moment that you figured out it was a scam? So the first moment I figured out when it's a scam was she told me she was sending me the money through email. We were like chatting and she said she's going to send it to Western Union. And she told me, since I'm sending a big amount of money, there's a rule here in London. They're preventing funding of terrorists. Now the woman says she has to take a trip to London, but they'll be in touch. So you have to send me $800 so that I can send you your 10000 back. I almost fall for it. I really thought that if I send her $800, she would send me 10000 And at that time, I wasn't telling anybody because I feel like I want to solve this on my own. And I felt like if I tell anybody, they would like, you know, attack me or like question so many things. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I just don't want that. At that moment, I just want to like deal with it and get it over with. And at that time, I still like trusted her that she is going to pay me back. I called Western Union. So I asked them, do you have this procedure that you have to build a transaction first before she can send me the money? And then Western Union said like, no, there's no such thing. So here's another gray area for Felicia. I had to actually stop and think about this. Have I ever used Western Union? I think my parents may have sent me money a couple times in college, but... That's it. So I emailed her back, like very angry, like, are you scamming me? Like, really? Out of the good of my heart, I helped you out. And this is what you're going to do to me. And then she just like flipped that she's not scamming me. How dare I call her a liar? What's the last contact you've had with her then? So the last contact I had with her was probably two months after that, because once I figured out that she was never going to pay me back, I you know, talk to people about it, like, what should I do? And people told me to sue her, like, file a case against her. So she did. She filed a lawsuit to get her money back, even went in front of a judge. It didn't exactly go Felicia's way. She had no support from the police or the courts. To be fair, they don't have jurisdiction over the entire world. Our justice system here in Canada is not that easy, and for that amount, it's not even worth it for me to hire a lawyer. Felicia went to court, representing herself. Just that alone would terrify me. I have to go through small claims court, which is like 
you can do it on your own. You don't need a lawyer, but she's not even in the country. So it's really hard for me to serve her the case. Did you talk to local police? I did talk to local police. When I explained them the issue, they told me, oh, that's not a scam. That's a civil case. It's unpaid debt. And I told them that, no, I think this is a scam because this is what's going on. And it's not only me, another person in the hotel. There's two of us. And we didn't know until after the fact that everything went down. That's right. Felicia's co-worker was also scammed, she found out later. The hotel cleaning lady. You know, the hardworking cleaning lady that you feel sorry for after you've left your hotel room a mess? And her story was even more bizarre. More on that in a moment. Yeah, so the police advised me go to the court and do small claim courts because this is a civil case. It's unpaid debt because you willingly gave your money. It's just that she doesn't have the money to pay you. And I was like, I think she has the money to pay me. If she has the money to stay in a hotel for three months, and before I gave her the money, she showed me like properties that she owns, properties that she owns here in Vancouver. And I actually went to verify them. I went to like the land registry to check if this property is indeed in her name. And it was, but this, apparently this is what she does. And it really blows my mind that is this what she does for a living or what? I just, until to this day, I don't understand. So they gave me the judgment. I have 10 years to collect $10,000 plus interest from her, but there's no way for me to get it anyway. You mean like the statute of limitations runs out in 10 years? Is that what you mean? Yeah. In here in Canada, the only way you can get money out of it is if I know the address of her bank and if she has money in her account that I can file to the court and the court will order the bank to take out the money. But if I don't have all those information, they can't do anything. And there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of branches around the city. And for me to file for one branch, it will cost me around $120. And even if I find the exact branch where she banks, if that bank account doesn't have any money, it's useless. How did you figure out that your coworker had also been scammed by the same woman? So she scammed her housekeeper. So her housekeeper that cleans her room every day, she got in along with her for the past three months. And she pulled a different scam on her. She said that she will sell her property to her at a very low price. And they almost went through with the sale. And the housekeeper, I think, was, you know, tempted that, oh, this is a good deal. There was an exchange there of money and the housekeeper lost, I think, $7,000. So she was supposedly going to sell her a piece of land in Vancouver? Yes. Okay. It's a little bit in the suburbs, yeah. And did they go see it? They did want to see it. And my coworker told me, yeah, we have my realtor there. I have my, like, I have like my accountant there. And I think the realtor was questioning this lady that why are you selling it for super cheap? What's in it for you? Because I think they're trying to understand what is going on. And I think she felt really threatened that I just needed money. instant. I, I need the money right now. And I just want to you know, help her out too. She's a really nice lady. And, you know, if we can do a transaction that both of us can benefit, why not? But I think the sale didn't go through because the realtor didn't support it. It was very shady. How did they even get into the house then? There's so many questions here, isn't there? Yeah, her story is way more complicated. And how did you guys connect then? 
oh, because when I was filing the case, I need a lot of information from this lady. And so I was like going around the hotel and like talking to people like, you know, have you gotten to talk to this guest? Do you know any information about her? So I think I was just fishing for information. And I thought like, oh, hey, maybe my colleague would know because she ta- I see her talk to her all the time. And when I started talking to her, I can sense that she is very emotional talking about her. And I'm like, are you okay? And then she told me. And that's where I was shocked. I was like, me too. And I just don't understand how, how can somebody try to like live off a very, you know, luxury, a want a luxurious lifestyle and scamming people who cleans your room. Like, I don't really don't understand. Why would you do that? Who will do that? What has this done for you personally with Uh, relationships the emotions of it oh wow like I think for like a good month I like when this was all going down that oh like I finally hit me that this is not coming back like you couldn't sleep you couldn't eat when that happened I just moved out here on my own it was a really bad timing for me to give her all of my savings you feel so stupid I was still going through with the case, so I was still very emotional every time I, like, handle the, when I go to hearing, when I go to the judge and, like, you know, talk about my case. It's still very emotional, but you have to be very objective about how you present yourself, of course. Yeah, I think that was, like, the struggle, just going through it and pursuing the case. It felt so hopeless that I feel like, why, why, why am I still doing this? So you actually went before a judge and everything. Yeah, I did. What did the judge say? The judge didn't really say anything. Since um, she didn't show up on our hearing, then I just won by default. Because usually how it works is she would come to the hearing and like try to defend her. But that hearing or that court order just tells me that, okay, legally you're allowed to collect $10,000 from her. So you should be able to collect more than 10000 for everything you've been through. I know. And this does not even include all the legal fees filing fees to the court that I have to pay out of my own pocket. And like, you know, I have to take time off work to go to do everything. You know, I just want to do whatever I can to see if there's something I can do to get this back. But apparently that's just how the system works. So do you still work in that same hotel? I do. Do you think about that when you go to work every day or are you getting over that? I think I've already gotten over it. Um, Now, I think as I tell my story more, I'm not as emotional anymore. Before, like a year ago, I would say whenever I talk about this, I would like still be feeling so angry and frustrated about myself. But now the only time that it angers me is when I hear other people's story, like how they get scammed. That why does it keep on happening? So how long did it take for you to come clean to your family then? Oh, um... I only told like very few people about it. Not like people who would like judge me or not. Cause like my family or especially like my parents, they know that I am very gullible. Like I'm too nice. They would always say I'm too nice. So I don't think I want to tell them. Hey, Scammer Stories listeners. Let's take a break from solving who's behind the keyboard and solve a mystery of a different kind. This one's much more fun. You can play Best Fiends right on your phone. Our world of busting scumbags and talking to victims, we're busting something else I hate, slugs. 
Discover the world of Minutia and its cute and courageous inhabitants. Collect best fiends and level them up. Discover their special powers and battle the slugs of Mount Boom. I played the game myself because it was so easy to learn. You don't have to be a gamer. Plus, it's safe and absolutely stress-free. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. But definitely, it was, you know, it's a very expensive lesson. And definitely, it dented my ability to trust people. And there's a lot of mean people out there, like a lot. Next up, the mortgage scam. People want to keep their homes. They're desperate to keep their homes. Desperate people, mean scammers, can take advantage of them. Let's talk about your background a little bit. Okay. Okay, so you're married. Yep, four grandkids. And you have a wife with some medical issues. What are those? Lots of medical issues. Um, You know, stress, anxiety, uh, pain management. She's had all kinds of issues, medical issues. She's got some seizures. Seizures, lots of seizures. Yeah. Okay. A few years ago, you guys were going to sell your house. Yes. We were having trouble basically making house payments, and we fell a little behind. Greg's home was the epicenter for the family. It's where they spent the holidays and weekends with the grandkids, so they really wanted to hang on to the home. Otherwise, they'd be forced into an apartment and wouldn't have the space for the grandchildren to play. We're working with the bank, you know, letting them know, keep staying in contact, what we're going to do. You know, we wanted to see if we could get straight with, in terms of the payments, get up to date. And then we could sell the house and then we'd be free and clear and everything would be great. So we were trying to determine how much we owed the bank. And it was a lot of money, but, you know, just to get back and we wouldn't be behind. So we got a phone call from a fellow. He doesn't sound like he's from Oklahoma. He sounds like he's from, you know, international. I'm not sure where. He said, I understand you've got... Uh, an issue. This is so-and-so from the bank and we want to help you out. I'm like, okay, sure. And he said, what we want to do is uh, if you can come up with the escrow amount, which is like $1,800, I believe, then we will take care of everything else. You'll be square, but you need to send us $1,800. You know, got to take care of that first. And he knew exactly how much we owed. He knew exactly what the escrow was. He knew how much the mortgage was. I mean, he knew everything about our account, our mortgage. So I thought, well, of course he's from the bank. Who else would know that? And so I said, what do we got to do? He said, well, you need to go ahead and get a uh, Visa card. So like a gift card? Sort of like a gift card. Yeah, worked like a gift card. Yeah. So that's the only way it's going to work is a Visa card. I'm like, okay. So we got the Visa card and thought we're good. So I called the bank just to make sure, not him back, but the people I had been talking to. I explained what I had done, that I paid them the escrow. And uh, do you have a, a record of that? And they're like, oh. No, sir, we don't. I thought, well, I just talked to somebody there. And as soon as I said that, I knew right away I was scammed. I was ripped off. We were ripped off to the tune of about $1,800, which is not a lot of money. I'm sure you talk to people who've lost a lot more money than $1,800. But when you don't have $1,800 and you go out and spend $1,800 that you don't have and you get scammed, it hurts. I was mad, but more mad, I was just really upset at myself embarrassed. If it's too good to be true, don't do it. And uh, lesson learned. So what'd the bank say? Sorry. What could they say? They were, you know, um, 
they said this has happened before. You're not the first, right? It's like something your mom would say. You're not the first. You're not the last. It's going to happen. So they didn't want me to feel terrible, but they knew I was feel I didn't feel good about it. But bottom line, we end up selling the house, and, and we never got the eighteen eighteen hundred dollars back at all. You know, obviously, but we sold the house, and so it's just a lesson that we had to learn the hard way. Even though I've done all, you know, I've read all kind of stories and you know talked to people who've been ripped off. That could never happen to me. Happened to me. Did you call the scammer back? Did you ever talk to him again? I tried calling back. I tried calling the number back, and it was just, I don't know if it never answered or what. I don't know if. Mm-hmm. I could never talk to him again, you know. So when you got the gift card, where'd you send it? It was down to Texas. I remember it was down to Dallas, I think. Somewhere Dallas, I think, is where I sent the, the money. And that made sense, too. I mean, you know. Because my mortgage company was based in, uh, in Texas, so. So since then, you went online and you found the website where you could find all this information. Didn't you say you looked that up? Yeah, you can. You can actually. It's public knowledge. If you want to figure out how much somebody owes on, if they're if they're having trouble with their bank accounts or whatever, but he knew exactly how much we had, and I'd later learned that it is. You know, it's out there. It's not hard to get that kind of information. And I'm a little older than I used to be, so. I don't know if people assume, well, he's older, so we can take advantage of him. That's another thing I thought. Well, you know, he's 60, so he's probably, you know, not quite with it like he used to be. I like to think that's not the case, but maybe it is, but I don't know. Whatever the case is, I felt silly and mad, and I'm I just not going to let it happen again. I've always been the kind of person that believes someone, they're the best in someone. So you do that, sometimes you set yourself up to be disappointed. As opposed to thinking everybody's a jackass and then be surprised. Oh, well, they're nice. I'm, I'm not, I was not raised that way. Maybe I would have been less disappointed in people if I, if I had the lower expectations. But, mm-hmm. but this kind of it tempers your enthusiasm for mankind, or at least some mankind. And lastly, a story we hear all the time. Military members, their pictures stolen, used by scammers. This veteran reached out to me. I think he found me from Scam Haters United. And here's what he had to say. Okay, I'm originally from Bronx, New York. I joined the military back in 2009. I think it was like August 19th. So a year after high school, I went into the military. I got stationed in Fort Hood in Texas. I was stationed at Fort Jackson. And then my last term was in Germany. There were two tours in Afghanistan. And um, been married and divorced and have one son. Tell me when this all started, how it first went down. Um, I believe it started when I got to Germany. The internet servers and everything like that over there was not secured like how it is here in the States. Uh, my Facebook was hacked and it took me about like a month to get it back. And then I started noticing that fake pages were going up. So and I would get random people just to message me and, hey, is this you or anything like that? I just got scammed by this person and it just flourished from there. Go back to the the internet wasn't as secure. Explain that to me because I don't understand. I guess the military does contracts with local internet servers there, and the army is pretty cheap. Gotcha. Uh, they don't like to spend money or anything like that. That's how that works. Cause I didn't have anything open, or so not sure how how it happened exactly. Okay, so tell me what your reaction was when you got the first message and what the first message was. I was pretty upset because I didn't understand what was happening, and I just reacted by. And at that time, I was married, so 
my ex-wife at the time, she would say, who's messaging you? Who's this woman messaging you? And kind of conflicted with the marriage a lot. She was probably having some trust issues. A lot of trust issues. So she was saying it's happening often, so it just doesn't happen for just no reason. The only natural would think that way. Yeah. So uh, after that, it was just, it became a normality thing. It was just on Facebook, it was on Instagram, and it it wasn't until the scammers uh, united was the one who contacted me. And they said, hey, this is what's happening. By this point, when Scam Haters United contacted you, you weren't exactly sure what was going on until they reached out. Yeah, until they reached out and said, hey, this is what's been happening. We're keeping track of certain pages. Uh, We got in contact with each other, and uh, that's how they were able to validate who I was. And they posted it through their social media that I've spoken to the actual person, and this is not real. And any other page after that, other than this one, it's not valid. And did that help at all? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think about, they still contact me every, uh, almost every day. uh, And they let me know about seven or eight pages that go up and then I report them. And then if one doesn't come down, then I guess they have a source in Instagram and they contact them and then they take it down. So how much are you being contacted by victims right now? Probably every other day, to be honest. And how much was it when it was at its height? At its peak, probably it was every day, about seven or eight of them every day. And did they get ugly with you? Some of them did. They actually did. They were like, well, you scammed me out of money. Uh, I really want my money back. And, and I was like, I don't know who you're talking to or who you're talking about. But, I mean, I'm not going to give you money that I've never received. Do you feel like you're a victim? To a certain extent, we are, but not really. To me, I think that we post on social media and... That's just what it is. We post it to the world, and it belongs to the world now at, at, at that point. I do believe that people that have been paying to these people that are, that are scamming them, that they are the actual real victims. Hmm. It's uh, widespread. We actually have multiple uh, social media accounts, and, um, and we also had CID and, uh, and JAG at the time when I was in the military that were advising soldiers about these scams. And I think that was back in 2000, around 2014 to 2015. So still fairly new that we're getting a handle on this, it sounds like. Yeah. As military personnel, we can only do so much, but that's why we try to advise. Like when a victim would contact me, I would tell them like, hey, if you've never met them in person or, I mean, it's just common sense type of things. Like if you've never met this person or you never spoke to this person or video chat with them or none of that. I wouldn't advise you to send money to them. I mean, that's not the smartest thing in the world. But, I mean, these scammers, they're predators, so they're good at finding their prey. And they use them. They manipulate them. I don't have anyone on social media that I don't know. So if I've never met you personally or I've never spoken to you before or actually seen you in person, I won't add you to my social media. So everybody that knows me knows me. If they don't know me, then, I mean, they just don't know me. Soldiers may not have an issue dating, but imagine having to say that up front. Dating is hard enough. But I've never had any issues with finding a job or, or with the dating scene or anything like that. I basically pretty much lay it out on the table at the beginning if I'm first talking to somebody. So they'll ask me, they're like, why, why is this your name on Facebook? And I give them the reason why. I say, hey, if you Google Rodriguez Army scams and you hit images and you see my face there, that's the reason why. What advice do you have for other young men on social media then? Just like I said, if you haven't met them in person, haven't spoken to them, or if something is just sounds wrong, 
just don't don't send them money. Uh, we currently do not have any peace missions in Africa or these other countries. You could Google that and see where military operations are being conducted. Military personnel do not need any type of financial assistance. We won't beg for money. We get a check on the 1st and the 15th consistency. So mm-hmm. That's a good point. So do you think that this was partly to blame for the reason your marriage didn't work? Um, not really, because eventually my, my ex-wife understood that that wasn't the case. There was more issues to, uh, to my marriage than, uh, than these scams. Okay. One thing I hear a lot from veterans is social media pages originally set up to connect each other turned into breeding grounds for romance scammers. The Military Fresh Network, it became a, a shout-out page at the beginning, and that, and that started in 2014 as well. So I think that was one of the initiatives that the scammers took advantage of. It was a shout-out page like, hey, go follow this soldier, go follow him and give him life on their pages and everything like that. And in order for you to have your picture shouted out on their page, your profile had to be public for them to see it. It was the fuel to the fire, I guess. But they have multiple pages, multiple military pages, uh, Army Fresh, Navy Fresh. And I actually spoke to the CEO. He's a really good friend of mine. And it was a shout-out page at the beginning, and that's where I think that they took advantage of it. So you're saying the scammers got on there and then took pictures from there? Yeah. So veterans deal with messages from victims all the time. But check this out. They also get contacted by the scumbags. They're trying to perfect their scam. Because I actually had a conversation with a scammer the other day. And he was like, I want to join the Army. I want to do this. But I'm in Africa. If you could give me some money or, or help me out to an extent so I could come to the United States. And I was like, that's not how that works. They'll poke at the bear to see what information they can get from you. The scammer, I mean, he got pretty upset. I mean, when it comes to these scammers, I I, I go all in. I'm from New York and everything, and I I go all in on them. So they kind of feel like disrespected to a certain extent, and the true colors come out. Yeah, they get pretty ugly, don't they? Yeah. So we have a lot to process here with all these stories. Can we all agree that anyone is susceptible to becoming a scam victim? The good news is, in all three of these cases, the victims quickly realized they were part of a scam and all of them are now recovering in some form or another. If you want to help victims, you can share this podcast. If that doesn't do it, you might have more of a nightmare on your hands, kind of like my situation. Some victims just aren't reachable. Want to share your story? Email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Scammer Warriors.